Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. last message in Nehemiah for a while. We're going to put a pin in it, come back to it, because next week is Thanksgiving Sunday. I'm, I, how many are ready for Thanksgiving? I know I'm ready. Come on, somebody. Greatest holiday ever is Thanksgiving. I, I'm going to start a petition that we're going to stretch Thanksgiving for all weekend long of feasting. Amen. How many's with me on that? Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Uh, it goes by so fast. By the time you get ready, it's time to move on to Christmas. I love the holiday season. It's we got some things planned. There's going to be a, a ladies' Christmas uh, meeting, dinner here for you ladies. And we're planning a New Year's Eve service again, the first time in a while. And so, amen. Those of that are interested, just clap your hands to a New Year's Eve service. So I know. I'm just going to be here New Year's Eve. Amen. Come on. Uh, <laughs> amen. Weather permitting. But um, since we're going into that season, God's given me some other things that I want to talk about. But I do want to finish today with Nehemiah chapter 6 is I talk about a very serious and powerful message that God's given me. It's called the Plain of Anno. The Plain of Anno. And in Nehemiah 6, it says here, his, uh, Nehemiah's coming to an end of his, of his building and his construction, just like we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, things are being buttoned up up there, and the flooring is getting installed, and, and it's just an amazing thing to see. And this is where Nehemiah is. They're coming to a close. And it says, Now what happened in chapter 6, verse 1, when Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, when the enemies heard that Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates. That may be us. We're hoping to get our doors in here real soon. Amen. Uh, anyway, that Sanballat and Geshem uh, sent word, this is the enemy, sent word to Nehemiah saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Anno. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down and meet with you? But they sent me this message four times. How many know the enemy can be persistent? Four times this guy sent word to try to get Nehemiah distracted from what God was doing in his life. Hear me today. But I answered them in the same manner. Sometimes you just got to outlast the enemy. You just got to outlast the enemy. I love it. He says, I just answered him back the same way. I didn't try nothing new. I didn't get a new tactic. Hey, I, I said no in the beginning, and it still is no. I'm still going to continue what God's called me to do. I'm still going to serve God. I'm going to set my face as flint, as he told the prophet. And you go into the people, and you serve God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
That's what Nehemiah said. He said, hey, I'm just going to continue. Let everything else happen. Verse 5, then Sambalat, he sent an open letter, and he actually accused them of treason. Verse 9 says, for they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. You can't do this. You can't serve God. You can't do minister to Southeast Michigan. You ain't going to do this. Some of you might have heard that voice today. What are you doing worshiping God? What are you doing lifting your hands? Why are you in church today? You don't deserve to be here. God don't love you. That's what the enemy is saying. Look what Nehemiah instantly responded. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Went right into prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word, this message. In this moment right now, what you're going to do is you continue to instruct us. Continue to lead us. Not just building a physical construction project, God. But Lord, the spiritual projects that are happening right now in this place. You are building a new person. You are building new families. You are building a new life. You are wanting to do that right now. And I pray, God, that you would just minister. Use me today to speak your word, I pray. Give us ears to hear today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and be seated today. First Corinthians says this, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Paul the Apostle says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's New Testament. I want to give you Old Testament and New Testament to see that this theme of what I'm preaching and what I'm sharing with you today is throughout the entire Bible. Here in Nehemiah, the enemy uh, has tried everything to get him to stop. And at the beginning of this series, I said something that was, God gave me this very profound. I'm going to repeat it now, and it's this. The impact of finishing is more exciting than beginning. The impact of finishing is greater than the excitement of beginning. I I wanted to just say that again. I want you to get the impact of finishing. Finishing what God wants to do in our life. Not just the project, amen, although this is right along with we need to continue to finish and we're doing that. Can't say thank you enough for all the volunteers and all the time that's coming in here. It's like morning, afternoon, and evening shifts. It's amazing to see people coming and working and and, and doing what you're doing. We're getting it done. And uh, you need to be encouraged sometimes. You got to walk through here. I go up into the river, kids, and I turn those new lights on. And I look at the carpet, and I say, yes, God. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. And then you go back, and and, and you do that. You got to go look at that. So anyway, here's the enemy. The enemy is trying, he's tried to attack Nehemiah by going into the low places. Uh, You remember that? So Nehemiah put men in their position. And the men fought together, they fought for their families, and they overcame the enemy, and the, the wall began to go back to progress. And then the enemy tried to discourage him and tried to mock them. The enemy, which, look at all these tactics in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an outstanding book of the Bible that God gave us. Then the enemy tried to mock him and say, if a fox runs on it, it's going to fall apart. In other words, he began to point out all their, all their weaknesses and say, you're not going to be able to do it. Nehemiah encouraged one another, and they stayed strong, and the work and continued. Now here the enemy begins to try a new tactic and he came and he tried to get Nehemiah to quit building and tried to get him to quit and come and meet with him in the plain of Anno. Everybody say the plain of Anno. What is the plain of Anno? 
Have you ever did something in your life when right after you did it, you said, oh my gosh, what did I just do? What did I just say? How did, I mean, serious, you ever do something, and in the moment you thought it was right, or you may not have even been thinking, and you went ahead and did it, and after you did it, you said, oh my gosh, what did I do? Oh my gosh, I sent that text. Don't you wish you can retrieve text messages? Come on, somebody needs to invent that and become a millionaire, tied to the church, and we'll build another one. I know, whoa, amen, in Jesus' name. You see how that goes? I pray God inspires some ideas, amen, with you and everyone here, that God can bless us. But wouldn't that be awesome to retrieve your text messages? Uh, but you, we've all done those things. The first time I've ever had something like that happen, I was thinking on this message, is when I was about seven years old, mama sent me to the store to get a head of lettuce. And now we lived about four houses down from uh, Challenge, the grocery store there on Jefferson in Ecorse. It was called Challenge at that time. And uh, so mom sent me down. I lived right on Florence, just a few houses down. And she gave me a quarter for a head of lettuce. So, amen. Anyway, I went down there. And I had my little puppy. I had a little puppy with me. We just got him. And so I had my friend. And I told my friend, I said, hey, go to the st- as we go to the store, I'm going to run in and get this lettuce for my mom. Hold on to my dog while I go in and get it. So he said, okay. He's standing outside with my dog. I went in the store. I got the head of lettuce. Ran up, and I'm in line. And I look. And I see my friend coming into the store, but he don't have his, he don't have my puppy with him. And he's just looking at me. And I'm going, Jerry, what are you, what are you doing? And I, I just run up to him and I go, what are you doing? He said, this van pulled up and this guy jumped out and took your dog. And I'm going, I, I grew up in E-Course. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And we go outside and I'm yelling at him. I'm going, look how tall you are. What's the matter with you? Why didn't you fight at him? And, and all this, and he's going through the parking lot and he's, he's telling me the story and, and he's rehearsing what happened. And I'm going, oh my gosh, what, what did, what did, why'd you let that happen? And then I look down in my hand and I got the head of lettuce in one hand and a quarter in the other hand. I stole a head of lettuce, mama. And I I looked at him and I said, oh my gosh. And I remember I threw the quarter as far as I could throw it. He went after the quarter. I mean, what kind of loser friend do I got there? And I, and I ran home. Now, to fast forward, I didn't get in trouble. Obviously, it was a big deal. And my friend was just, t- uh, three days later, he mysteriously came up with the same kind of dog that I had. Uh, okay, so, so there's a lot of things there that I never know. But I'll never forget. But I'm putting this message together. This is almost 40 years later. I was reminded of that feeling, that gut-wrenching feeling that I had standing on the end of that parking lot on Josephine Street in Jefferson of, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And instantly I began to think about this message. This is exactly what the enemies was trying to do to Nehemiah. He was trying to get him to stop with the work that God was doing in his life and in his family and all the things that God had prepared for him. He tried to get him to stop and bring him onto the plane of Ano, which sounds very much like our English expression of oh no. Can I tell you that the enemy's job is to get you and I to quit and to get you distracted from your assignment? Because if he can get you distracted from your assignment onto this place, on one of the villages of this plane, you will get to the place in your life where you will say, oh my gosh, what did I allow the enemy to do? That's the plane of Ano. 
That's exactly what Nehemiah was doing here. The enemy said, man, I tried uh, attacking him. I tried coming this way. I tried coming in the low places. And Nehemiah was right there lifting up a fight, coming up against him. But now he tries to get him distracted and pulls him over here to the plain of Ano. A plain is not a mountain. It's not a valley. It's a dry, deserted season. It's a dry place. Spiritually, there is nothing happening. You are there, and the excitement that you had for God, the passion that you had for God, when you would wake up in the morning, you couldn't wait to sit down and have your cup of coffee or your tea or Mountain Dew or whatever you drink and open up your Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. You couldn't wait for that freshness of the Holy Spirit to begin to just come off of those pages right into your life. The enemy, that is when you're on fire for God, and that's when we're a threat to the kingdom. So the enemy will try anything to get him in you and I to stop what God is wanting to do in your life. He was saying, Nehemiah, come on. Come meet with me. Come meet with me in the plain, one of the villages of Ano. Because there are many different areas, many different ways, many different villages on this plain. There's many different ways that the enemy will try to get you and I to get over into that place. One of them, if you talk to Adam and Eve, they would tell you that Anna was a place of regret. Could you imagine Adam and Eve the moment that she ate of that fruit? In a perfect environment, but yet the enemy goes right up in that perfect environment and ends up tempting her and getting her eyes off of God with what he tried to present her, something that is better. And after she ate, I don't believe they ever finished that fruit. I believe it was me, by you took a bite and their eyes were open and they fell. That's a place of, of regret. You go through the word of God, and this is exactly how the enemy got great men and women to stop doing what God wants to do in in their lives, is by simply distracting them. David would tell you that one of the villages of Arnold that got him was distraction. When it was normal for kings to go out to war, your Bible says that that David stood back and waited, and instead of going and engaging in spiritual warfare, and instead of going after God, he just sat home, and he just relaxed. I mean, he went to church last week. I mean, he went to church two weeks in a row, and we don't want to become fanatical because we don't want to be made fun of, so we'll go, you know, we need to slow our roll down a little bit and only really need God when we need. No, let me tell you something. You can never get too much of God. You'll never find no one in the Bible where God said, stop pursuing me. You'll never find it one time when God said, okay, you're getting too uh, radical for me. In fact, he's going, man, the more you fall in love with me, the more I can show and demonstrate to the world what I can do through you. I'm looking for some hearts that are sold out to me so I can show my goodness. What does scripture say? That the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole world looking for a heart that is committed to him. But the plain of Ano, many different villages, David would tell you it was a place of distraction because temptation tends to feed in secrecy. Temptation will feed on, in secrecy. The, the, when we keep those desires covered up and we keep them things hidden in our soul, in our spirit, it's like mold. We found, we found some mold in the building up here in the front when we begin to get into it and we didn't plan on ripping down the walls. We just were going to paint. But one of us began to notice, hey, there's some darkness. There's a little bit of darkness in the drywall and then we ripped it out. And I thought Rob Sherman was going to have a heart attack. We were ready to paint. I think we done had primer up. Didn't we have or started it? Oh, my gosh. I said, brother, don't go to the plain of Ano. Come on back. But it was mold. Mold grows in the dark, damp areas. 
That's what temptation does. Temptation will grow in the darkness as long as we keep it hidden and as long as we just cover it up. It will grow and it will fester. That's why God says, bring it to me. Bring it to the light. Let the Holy Spirit reveal because whatever you reveal, then I can heal. Come on, somebody. Distractions. Samson will tell you that one of the villages would be compromised that got him onto the ano. He would play with God. He would go to church and he would, he would get into the word and he would act of right and he would be good. Then the anointing would flow in his life. Isn't it amazing how that is? When we're living for God the way we know we're supposed to. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being sold out to God and going after him. The blessings just happen. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think we as human beings would have the common sense to stay there? Isn't it amazing how our flesh just gets comfortable with, with being blessed? One of the most dangerous places you can be is being comfortable in your faith. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to a church is we grow like we are and be sitting in here. Success is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to a person. It was when King David was successful is when he fell into sin. When he was in front of the giant at 17 years old, he was like, come on, I'm going to take you down. Now that he's 35, he says, let somebody else do it. I'm going to sit back here. Can never get too comfortable in your faith. Samson did that, went in and out. And then he went out, and the Bible says he went out and he messed around, he got into sin, and he said, I'll just repent of it Sunday. And he kind of did a pattern of that. He would go live his life the way he wanted to live. You guys know the story. And then he would come into church, and that one scripture, doesn't it terrify you? And the one scripture says that the enemy came on him, because the enemy will come. When you open a door to the enemy, he'll come. He said, well, well, God, why did this happen? Because you opened the door. Genesis 4, God said to Abel and Cain and Abel, and he says, Cain, he says, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. It's amazing. There's a door in our life, and there's sin, and sin has a desire, and it's to rule over us. Mind blown. It's amazing. And when you open up that door, here he comes, and Samson opened up the door many times, and God would help him shut it. And so it, it went out for 20 years, and finally he went out, and his scripture horrifies me. He went out, and he said, I'll just do what I did before, and I'll turn on some praise and worship, and I'll get the goosebumps going, and I'll just shout a little louder on Sunday. I may even raise my hand. And he said, I want to go do it, but the presence of the Lord flee from him, and he didn't even know it. That horrifies me. He was on the plane of Anno. But you know what I want to tell you about temptation? That not only when the enemy tries to come to get us to quit, don't look at it as just all these bad things. You know what also it is? It's an invitation to to quit. You know what that is when you feel that way? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you and I to grow in our faith and take a stand for Christ. I thank God for when the temptation, why does the temptation come? The enemy tempts you to bring out the evil in you. God allows it to bring out the good in you. I hope you're picking up what I'm saying. God doesn't tempt you, but he will allow the temptation to happen to bring out the good in you. The enemy tempts you to bring out the bad in you. I thank God for all the times now looking back when I first got saved, an enemy would try to come and tempt me. Those were opportunities, not for me to run and hide. It was opportunities for me to speak up in front of my friends and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live for God. And I felt something in me just get a little stronger. 
I was down at Teen Challenge a couple weeks ago on my spiritual birthday. It happened to fall. My chapel service was on my spiritual birthday. 22 years of serving the Lord on that morning. I went in there, man, and I didn't even, I had a message, but it wasn't, I just ministered from my heart about the prodigal son, and I gave my story, and I told about all the times that the enemy uh, tried to distract me, and how when I first got saved and I tried to, to, to uh, live for God, how I would, I, I would find cigarettes. I tried to quit smoking, and I found cigarettes. When do you ever find cigarettes? cigarettes. I'm walking through Southland Mall, and there was a true story. There's a little dime bag of weed that there, wacky tobacco, right there. Walking through the mall, I remember that. I mean, when, did, when I was smoking it, you never could find it. People showing up at my door, knocking on the door, talking about, hey, let me in. I'll buy tonight with a bag full of 40s. You never bought nothing when I was out there with you, and now you're going to buy. I mean, it was amazing how all these opportunities had this very attractive woman on the other side of the state that I used to deliver to begin to hit on me. It took me three weeks visit, uh, delivering there before I realized she's hitting on me. I walked in the last time, and she's all dressed up. True story. I turned right back around. I'll tell that story at another time. But amen, amen, amen. Amen. Melinda said, God, I forgive you, but I'll kill you. <laughs> That's what daddy always said. So those, I told them, and I'll tell you this, those are opportunities for you to grow stronger. Nehemiah, he think he was tired of the warfare. He, you think he would, I mean, we're in chapter six, and it's been fighting. Yeah. It's been fighting, and it's been this coming against me, this coming against me. And here Nehemiah is right in the middle, man, just never quitting, never giving up. Why? Because he had God's spirit on him. And he said, no, and I love it. The enemy came four times, and I love it. Look what he did. I answered him four times. The enemy comes to get you to quit, you answer him. No. I'm going to keep living for God. How did he do that? I was going to give you these three things in this chapter. Just write them down. I won't give you all three, but the first one was is he focused on the progress and not the problems. That is in chapter 6 when he said, I will not stop doing this great work to come and meet with you. He called it a great work. Whenever you start to value God's work in your life more than the world, then you know your heart is in the right place. When you start to value what God wants more than what you want, that's when you know you're in the right place. Let me say it over here. They're still writing. When you start to value... You start to value. It's, it's important for me to go to church. Yes. Yes. It, it's important. I told my girls, uh, this is what Markhams do. This is how you create a culture in your home. Markhams used to sleep in on Sunday. I, I'd be all hungover, and it was football time. I would wait to halftime, and I'd crack my first beer, and we'd do it all over again. And by Sunday night football, Daddy would be downstairs in his basement partying. That's what we used to do. But thou, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the Markhams on Sunday get up out of the bed, come on, and we go to the house of God to worship the Lord. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not a cute scripture that we put on the fridge. It's something that we demonstrate and we live out every single day in front of our kids. Come on, somebody. That's how you do it. Whether you feel it or not, faith is not a feeling. It's a choice. Believe it or not, I don't feel like preaching all the time. I don't feel like doing this. You're not going to feel it. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. The only time Jesus almost turned around was in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Oh, for the joy. What about that? Yeah, it was the joy that was set. The only reason why he was able to do it is because he did focus on the progress and not the problems. He said, I'm going to go to this cross so that one day, Eddie Markham from Southwest Detroit running around there like a knucklehead thinking he's some gangbanger. I'm going to die for him and erase his sins and give him a new mind and a new spirit. I'm going to take that heart of stone out of his body and give him a heart of flesh. I'm going to give him a purpose and an anointing. And I'm going to place him in the craziest place he's ever thought of out in the country and give him a church and mentor and pastor a people. Only God can do this, people. If you don't know me, only God can do this. Some of you know me. Bill, he was my Royal Ranger commander back when I was just a little kid. Raise your hand. This is Bill Wallace. Poured into me a Royal Rangers down there in, in the basement of Grace Assembly of God. Didn't feel like being there. Look, it paid off, brother. Look what God's done. Thank you for not giving up on me, Bill. You never know who's sitting in your church. You just never know who's here. You never know. The impact of finishing is greater than the excitement of beginning. How do you do it? You focus on the progress, not on the, not on the problems. You're always going to have problems. I remember just being six. I got saved in November. So January, I, had, I looked at the progress. I began to get a little, little uh, you know, in my spirit. I began to feel a little dry. And I said, okay, the newness was wearing off. But I looked back and I said, look what progress I made just in four months. It was only four months, but those were big four months. Those were the holidays. And for me to celebrate and, and, and without getting turned up was a huge, huge accomplishment. I remember the New Year's Eve party. That's why we love having New Year's Eve services. That was the first time I went into church on a New Year's Eve with my kids at church. I thank God for our church that had that. It was an opportunity to give God praise. But I remember that was, I, I would get discouraged. So I'd look back and say, look how far God has brought me just in four months. That's how you do this. Curtis, that's how you do this. Look how far God has brought you. First convert that got saved here. Before we even had church, he got saved, and here he is. Amen. He's been up here helping Don move tables. He helped Steve and I build that stage, stapling. I love it. What God is doing is amazing. That's why next week I want to take my time and, and go through why we're so thankful and talk about some of these things. So, but how do you do it? Nehemiah focused on the progress and not, not the problems. That's how you're going to do it, right? But you know what really made the difference in his life and what I really wanted to talk to you about? That was just my introduction. All the River Kids workers says, I got all day. No, I'm just kidding. Two of them are leaving right now. I see them walking. No, there's, and uh, was this. This is really what's been on my heart. Chapter 5, verse 15, it says, Nehemiah would not do this because of the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 15. He walked in the fear of the Lord. That's really where I wanted to get to today. This is the single most important factor. This is Old Testament. And Nehemiah is walking in the fear of the Lord. You know what we need in America really bad right now? Is a good, healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. You know what you need in your life the most? Is the fear of the Lord. The love of God and the fear of God are two of the most important values in any person's life. It'll keep you out of the ditches of religion. There are ditches with religion. Have you found that out? This ditch over here is legalism. 
Back in the day, people were afraid to do anything because they thought the, fra- the fear of God was meaning that you're afraid of God. It's two totally different things. I'll get to that in a minute. But the fear of God, people thought the fear of God is that anything that is fun must be sin. So you got to dress like this. You couldn't, you couldn't act like you couldn't do anything. And so you fell into a ditch of legalism. You had to read your Bible. Everything was a, was a, a legalistical ceremony. It was, you're religious. And so you dry up in that ditch. Then we got a revelation in the 80s and 90s by Oral Roberts. He came by and he let everybody know how much God loves us. He's a good God. He wants to heal you. He wants to do miracles. And so what did the church do? We came out of the legalism and we begin to put makeup on, hallelujah, which is okay. And we begin to kind of, but what we did, we went way over here and we fell into the other ditch of lawlessness. Anything I do, anything I say, God loves me. I'm not accountable for anything. His grace and his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. We fall right into the ditch of lawlessness. What will bring you out of that ditch is having a healthy love of God to bring you out of that and the fear of the Lord to keep you out of that. The Bible says it's the fear of the Lord one will depart from evil. Not the love of God, the fear of God. I'll never forget when John Brevere told this story how he went and he met with Jim Baker in prison. How many remember Jim Baker? PTL. Okay. If you don't know who he is, he was this Christian TV evangelist. He began to get into this money thing and go crazy, and he went nuts. He ended up getting arrested. He had an affair. It was awful, and it hurt many of the church. People were confused. Please don't ever put your faith in man. Don't put your faith in Eddie. Don't put your faith in Paul and Mary. Don't put your faith in any of our, our pastors or leaders. Keep your faith in Jesus Christ. Because him alone is how you're saved. Him alone is perfect. I'll let you down. If I haven't already, I will. Tell your neighbor he's not perfect. I will. No one is. Please, I don't want that pressure. He went and he met with Jim Baker, and he said, Jim Baker, when did you fall out of love of God? He said, John, I never fell out of love of God. I always loved God. He said, what are you talking about? You had an affair? Jessica Hahn? You remember her? You embezzled money? When did you fall? He said, I didn't never fall out of love. My problem was I didn't fear him. Uh You see, there's a difference between the love of God and the fear of God. What is the fear of God? Proverbs chapter 1 says, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Chapter 2, verse 5, the knowledge of God. You cannot know God unless we fear God. When you know God, I mean you know God, and it's not a religion. You go to church, yeah, I go to church. But that doesn't mean that's not my identity. I am a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with God. When you know God, you fear God. This is what the whole story about the children of Israel, all of the Old Testament tells us the wonderful story of how God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt into what? The promised land. And this is a perfect analogy to show you the difference between being afraid of God and having the fear of God. The Bible says he brought the children of Israel out. They were slaves for 400 years. All they ever known was to be servants and slaves. They were beaten. They were abused. Their children were killed. They had the worst, ate the worst, slept in the worst, lived the worst kind of life. God brought them out. And before taking them into the promised land, before blessing them, Moses said, I want to take you to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where you need to get to know God. You're here today, and this may be your first service, or you're new to the faith, and you're new to the church, and you're trying to find out, what do I do next? What do I do? Listen, this is what you do next. You get to know God. 
You open your Bible, you begin to know Jesus and begin to love Jesus and learn of him, learn about who he was. That's what Moses tried to do. Many people don't realize that the Mount Sinai is where Moses had the burning bush experience. Moses said, I got to get you to have an encounter with God. Parents, you got to get your kids to have an encounter with God. Take them to camp, take them to everything. That's great. We hope that they have an encounter with God. That's what will change their life. It's having an encounter with God, getting to know God. So Exodus 20, 20 tells us the story where finally Moses brings the children of Israel over a million Jews to Mount Sinai. And God says to Moses, I'm getting ready to come down on the third day. Get them ready because I'm going to show up and they're going to have an encounter with me and it's going to change their life forever. Exodus 20, 20 says that he came down and they looked and they saw the smoke and they heard the noise and they ran. And they said, Moses, we don't want to know God like that. We want you to go get a message. This is actually what they said. You go get a message, come back and preach it to us on Sunday. We're okay at the bottom of the mountain. Isn't it amazing? It's 4,000 years ago and we still behave the same way in 2019. Blows my mind. And Moses said, no, no, no. Uh, Don't be afraid. And then he says what seems to be a contradiction. Moses said, God came to test you. He says, don't be afraid. For God has come to test you to see that if his fear is in you. And the Bible says the people drew away while Moses drew near. What it was, because people that are afraid of God, when I was afraid of God, it's because I had something to hide. When we have something to hide, you're afraid of God. You're afraid of getting too close. But the fear of the Lord, you will draw near because you're terrified, and this is the definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is being terrified of living your life without him. You have nothing to hide, and if something does come into your heart, you're the first one to drop on your knees and say, God, get this out of my heart. Get this greed. I used to work in sales for 17 years, and is there an honest salesman? I, I tried to be. And there were times, and I remember in my integrity, being a new believer, following the Lord, talking to these managers at Kroger's and Myers, and being in sales, and th- Thanksgiving and the holidays were coming, a new Pepperidge farm, and little Debbie was going to get their displays up, and Intamins needs to be front and center. I mean, we, we worked on commission. So I'd walk in, and I would take some of my best snacks, and I'd come into the manager's office, and little Debbie would be walking out with their little, you know, they got a couple little good treats. They ain't nothing like Intamins. Come on, somebody. Rich Frosted Donuts, Tyler. Hey, it ended up in my sermon. How about that? Isn't that awesome? I'd walk in there and lay them on a table. Pow, you like me now. <laughs> and, uh, and they would give me a good display. And it was not bribery. It was just something that we did. And I remember being on the way home from my first meeting with them, and I got kind of convicted in my heart. And I went to my boss, and I said, listen, I know it's a thing that we do here. And you may think I'm crazy, but I just need to get your blessing on this. Is this okay if I do this or this? And he's like, man. Yeah, that's of course that is. And he says, you do whatever it takes. You got you to this. And I remember just getting it right. And as I walked out the door, he said, come here for a minute. He says, you know, ever since you told me you were a Christian, I've been watching your life. He said, I used to work at this other company for, I won't mention the name. And he said, there was a guy there that was supposed to be a Christian. And he used to run around, preach to everybody, put tracks that you're going to go to hell. And he would preach to everybody. And he got caught stealing all the money out of the vending machines in our lobby. And he said, so ever since you told me you got this new faith and you were a Christian and you mentioned God, he said, I've been kind of watching you. He said, but now for you to walk into my office and talk to me about something as pivotal as, as something as little as this, he said, man, I, my respect and honor for you, you must be the real deal. And I said, well, don't, get you, don't blow me up too much. I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm just trying to make it through. 
And, it, and you know what? The whole time I was there, he'd always come to me for prayer. Can I tell you that you never know what God's doing in your life. You don't have to be perfect. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you walk in the fear of the Lord, when you walk in the attitude of God, I, I will not, I will do anything it takes to stay with your presence and your presence in me. And that's why he ended this, and I'll end it with this. Right when the enemy began to mock him, he said instantly he went right into prayer. Why? Because the fear of the Lord, in order to stay out of Anno, you will have to stay in the fellowship of the Lord. Nehemiah stayed in fellowship with the Lord. Many of you believe in God. Here's the problem. You don't commune with God. My problem was I believed in God, but I didn't fellowship with God. He wants to hear from us regularly. He wants us to, to talk to him, prayer and in scripture. And the fear of God. Boy, I wish I had more time on the fear of God. You're going to hear more about it next year because Exodus 2020 goes with our theme, 2020 Arise. In fact, right now, let's arise, amen, because I'll preach all day on this subject because it's so pivotal in our life and been in my life. Nehemiah finished the great work, and you're going to finish the great work, yeah, by focusing on the progress, not the problems. You're always going to have problems, but look how far you've come already, and having the fear of the Lord in your life where you start to say like Moses did. Moses drew near to God. The children of Israel drew back. That's so p- profound right there. And you got to stay in fellowship with the Lord. How do you stay in fellowship with the Lord? Listen to good music. Listen to his music, uh, anointed music, something that keeps you there. Get in your word. Walk with them. Christian friends, church. These are all just different avenues that keeps you out of the village of, oh no, what have I done? You know, one of the biggest ways the enemy gets us out is being offended. You know, you can get offended at God. Jesus said, blessed is the man who's not offended in me. He said that when he was invited to come and do the funeral for his best friend, Lazarus. Mary and Martha said, God, if you loved me, my brother wouldn't have died. It's easy for some of us sometimes to say, God, if you love me, why did this happen? right? Why did this happen? Why? When you read it in the word of God, you'll find you're not the only one that felt that way. Jesus waited till the situation was totally over. And then he stepped in and did one of the greatest miracles ever. He brought him back to life. And let me say, t- say something to you today. If you've got an area in your life that you've been offended or you've been hurt by church people or a pastor or maybe Jim Baker, I don't know. I'd, you'd be amazed at some of the things and stories I hear. I run across people I know a family that used to serve God, and then when that all happened back in the 80s, they all quit going to church. I mean, it's a real thing. People can get lost. I can tell you this. Let God resurrect you right where you are. I don't know what happened, what that other pastor did with that dad, that mom, that brother, that sister let you down. I, I can't answer for that situation, but I know someone who will never, 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 ever, 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 ever let you down. Have you met him? His name is Jesus. He's the only person that has changed human history. Our time, 2019 AD, BC. People are trying to change that. They never can change it. Jesus. Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for what you've done, the message that you have spoken from Nehemiah. 
don't even know who he was, God. Many of us, this is the first time we heard about this man. But God, we can relate to his, his battles and his problems and his temptations to quit. And so, Father, I just invite you right now to come into my heart, into my life. And maybe that's you here today. You need to pray that. Just invite him to come into your life right now. Invite him to come into your situation right now. Hallelujah. Into your hurt, into your pain. Invite him right now. Just say, Jesus, I need you right now. Jesus, I need you right now in my life. I haven't been perfect. I've sinned. I've, I've been this. I've been that. God, I need you to forgive me and wash me clean and make me new today. From this day forward, I'm going to serve you. Come on, tell God that right now in your own way, in your own words right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to sing one more song. I'm going to ask my altar teams to come on up and get in place. We want to pray for you today. If you're going to go see a doctor this week, if you've got something going on in your life, if you've got a family crisis or anything, you want to get prayer, I want to encourage you to come on up and get some prayer before you leave. Also, these altars are open. If you want to come and kneel, you just want to come and, and worship, that's fine. We're going to do one more song. The rest of you, I'm asking not to leave, not to cause too much uh, distraction, but let us be sensitive to this moment and let us worship together. Let the word that's been preached settle into our heart. But if you need prayer, I want you to come out in your seat. Come on up and give prayer. If you want to come to the altars, as I said, you can. These altars are Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.